How's it going? Welcome back to the Ghost Lore of Hawaii podcast. Tonight, for this Halloween episode, we're on the island of Oahu, visiting one of Hawaii's most well-known haunted locations, Morgan's Corner and the Nu'uanu Pali. But before we dive into the story, I want to give a shout out to Cynthia and Anthony of the Weird Crew podcast. They had me on for my first official interview since starting this podcast and were extremely gracious, even laughing at my dad jokes. We chat about the correct way to pronounce Hawaii or Hawaii, the reason why I think Hawaii is so haunted, and much, much more. Check out the Weird Crew podcast free on all platforms and follow them at Weird Crew Podcast on Instagram. So you know the deal. Pop open a green bottle or two. Puff puff past that paranormal pacalolo. That was a lot of peas. And let's get into this. The engine revved and the tires squealed just slightly as the car zoomed along the narrow jungle road. The orange sparkle from Honolulu's city lights off in the distance peeked through occasional openings in the thick vegetation. Calais and her new boyfriend Warren had just finished a movie at the Wailai Drive-In Theater and were headed for a little snuggle at one of the popular teen makeout spots. Calais knew of these locations, popularized by young people looking for privacy to fool around, but had never been herself. Her parents were very strict growing up and did not allow dating until she turned 18. So Warren was the first guy she had ever dated. As trees and bushes flashed by, Calais couldn't tell if the butterflies in her stomach were from nervousness of the date or because of where they were headed. For generations, locals have told terrifying stories of run-ins with the supernatural along the Nuuanupali Road and the infamous Morgan's Corner. The corner, referring to the hairpin turn in the road, named after Dr. James Morgan, who built his villa at the bend in the road back in the 1920s. Stories of spirits that haunt the Pali, combined with the seclusion of the jungle, added to the excitement, making the perfect makeout spots For a long time, these ghost stories remained just that. 
stories. But in fact, there was some truth to these tales. For a long time, the Nu'uanupali Drive was the only road through the mountains connecting Honolulu to the east side of Oahu. But before a paved road was even constructed, the path had long been an easily traversed passage, allowing Hawaiians a more direct route to travel through the Ko'olau mountain range. In 1795, nearing the end of his wars to unify the Hawaiian Islands, King Kamehameha I was desperate for victory. Thus, the Battle of Nu'uanu, as it became known, was the bloodiest, most brutal battle to happen on Oahu. The story goes, over 400 opposing warriors were pushed off the cliff to their deaths by Kamehameha and his men. This bloodshed would become a key battle that helped end the wars and unified the Hawaiian Islands for the first time under one ruler, King Kamehameha the Great. This epic tale of hundreds of men falling to their deaths was passed down by Hawaiians through their oral history, and for a long time, was widely believed to be exaggerated. In 1845, the first official road through the Pali was completed, which further eased travel through the Ko'olau Mountains. Then, just before the turn of the 20th century, construction workers expanding the old Pali Road, as it became known, uncovered more than 800 human skulls at the base of the cliff. So the tales of the hundreds pushed to their death were accurate. So does the accuracy of these accounts passed down by Hawaiians through story correlate with the accuracy of paranormal stories based in the Pali? question confused me. Warren parked the car under a large banyan tree and turned the engine off. Then the car's lights. No, can't you leave them on? Kalei asked, eyes darting from Warren, then out to the blackness. Sorry, no. Going to kill the battery. But you have the music on. Uh, ah, no worry. I don't want you to be scared up here. Warren lied, knowing that was exactly what he wanted. Warren had taken a few girlfriends up to the old Polly Road and knew a little dose of fear might as well have been an aphrodisiac. No worry. Our eyes will get used to the darkness pretty quick. Want to hear one story about the area? I promise not going to be scary too much. So, a few years ago, when I was still in school, there was this girl in my grade. Cassandra was her name, yeah? 
So she was going out with this guy, this stud on the football field. You know, those sports guys. Well, she's all in love with him and she wants to marry him and have little cakeys running around. Children. One day, Cassandra finds out her beloved boyfriend has been cheating on her with one of her friends from the cheerleading squad. Yeah, she was one cheerleader too, I think. Or something like that. Well, Cassandra gets super duper sad. And she thinks she cannot live without this guy, yeah? So she hanged herself. Asshole! You said this wasn't going to be scary. Wait, 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 I'm not done. And hanged herself. Under this tree! Fucker, I hate you! Calais jokingly shouted while smacking Warren. No, 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 wait. That's not even scary. I wasn't done. I promise it'll get better, okay? Seems scary right now, but gonna be funny, I promise. So, after Cassandra doesn't come home that night, her parents start to worry, yeah? And they call the police. The whole neighborhood goes out searching. They go to the beaches, down the road, in the bushes, everywhere. But for days, nothing. This whole time, Cassandra's boyfriend is still seeing this other cheerleader. And one night, they come here and park under this tree. They start to fool around and then, all of a sudden, something hits the roof of the car. When the boyfriend and the cheerleader shake off the shock of fright, they both slowly realize on the hood of the car was Cassandra's severed head looking up at them smiling ew you know the kind corona report where they examine the dead body coroner's report yeah 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 he said the body was hanging for so long bugger went decomposed and the weight basically went tear the head right off why was it smiling? Because it was Cassie's ghost saying, Boo! <laughs> funny, yeah? <laughs> Come on, scoot over. Let's cuddle a bit. That wasn't funny. Calais scooted over and leaned her head on her boyfriend's shoulder. What is wrong with you? He turned the music back up and the couple began to make out. Wait, 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 wait. Did you hear that? Calais suddenly whispered, Frozen in place. You're just a little scared from the joke, babe. Come on. No worry. It's just branches. They started to kiss again. But like a few minutes prior, Calais stopped. Again, thinking she heard something. No, serious. I think I hear something. Can we just go? I don't like the feeling up here. Okay, okay. Warren said, adjusting his seat back to the upright position. He turned the key that was still in the ignition, but the car would not start. He tried a couple more times, but after each attempt, the battery seemed to get weaker and weaker. Dang it! It's because I left the music on, Warren said, defeated, as he slumped his head into the steering wheel. The couple bickered for a few minutes as they discussed options of what to do. 
It was decided that Warren would head down the road to the nearest house to call for some help, while Calais stayed in the locked car. Although she was terrified of being left behind by herself, Warren stressed how dangerous walking the narrow dark road would be. After a little back and forth, it was decided Calais would stay back. Warren reassured her he'd be back in no time. I'll be right back. Calais locked all the doors and watched as Warren walked down the road, quickly being devoured by the darkness. Calais dozed off, not realizing how tired she had been from the late night and excitement. She was startled awake as the sound of tree branches scratched at the roof of the car. It was still dark, and with no clock, Calais hadn't known how long she had been sleeping. She looked down the road for any signs of Warren, but still little of the moonlight could break through the canopy drastically reducing visibility he'll be back soon Kalea told herself as she leaned back into the seat closing her eyes again the drip drip dripping of rain on the roof briefly woke her up again But after opening an eye and not seeing Warren, she quickly fell back asleep. Calais was yanked out of her sleep by the knocking on her window. The beam from a flashlight blinded her as she began berating Warren for taking so long. I'll be right back. Yeah, right. Even though she had no clue how much time had passed. Oh my God, what time is it? We're never coming here Miss? again. My parents Miss? are... Sorry, is everything okay? Huh? Calais said, shielding her eyes from the light. It was a police officer. Warren must have made it to a house and called for assistance. Oh, it... Yeah, I'm okay. Just a little sleepy. Did my boyfriend call? Is he with you? Hey, miss, everything is okay. Let's get you back home, yeah? As the car door opened, the police officer wrapped a blanket around her shoulders and led her back to his patrol car. Everything is okay, miss. Just no look back, okay? He said rather firmly, surprising Calais. But, like a spell, the instruction not to do something and the repetitive, everything's okay, immediately caused the opposite reaction. As the officer led Calais away, she glanced back over her shoulder at Warren's car. Calais froze, collapsing to her knees. Warren's lifeless body hanged upside down from the tree, directly above 
their car. What she had thought were branches scratching the roof had been Warren's fingernails as he clawed for help. The drip, drip, dripping, clay mistook for raindrops, was Warren's blood trickling from the slash in his throat. His vocal cords ruptured, preventing him from screaming for help. So if this story sounds familiar to some of you, it's because it probably is. Places all over the world have similar tales. This popular urban legend has been around for decades. The earliest documented telling that I could find goes back to 1964 in the Midwest. The tale is essentially the same. The boyfriend is found murdered, hanging by his ankles above the couple's car. Sometimes a murderer with a hook for a hand is involved. Sometimes it's an escaped prison inmate. Sometimes both. So is the story of Morgan's Corner real? I can't say for sure. But what I can say is the area does have a very real and gruesome murder. On March 10th, 1948, a prison work crew discovered two petty criminals from the chain gang were missing. What do you mean they're gone? Find them. James Majors, 19, and John Palakiko, 21, had escaped the work crew and used the thick jungle vegetation for cover. The two fugitives stumbled upon the home of Therese Wilder, 68, a widow living alone in her home along Nuwanupali Drive. Miss Wilder lived across the road from Dr. Morgan, the namesake of Morgan's Corner, who frequently checked in on the elderly woman. The day after their escape, a starving Majors and Palakiko smelled Wilder's cooking and short on supplies decided to break in and rob the old woman. They attacked Wilder breaking her jaw in the process then bound and gagged her as they ransacked the home for supplies. Unfortunately the old woman was bound too tightly and due to the broken jaw, suffocated. Five days later, two of Wilder's gardeners found her deceased body. A reward was offered for the capture of Majors and Palakiko, and they were quickly apprehended a few days later and charged with first-degree murder. 
they were quickly found guilty, guilty. and sentenced to be hanged. This is not the end of Majors and Palakiko, however. The case caused outrage, but not for the reason you may think. At this same point in time, a white socialite named Grace Hubbard Fortescue, a descendant of Alexander Graham Bell, odd enough, murdered Hawaiian man Joseph Kahakahavai. She was found guilty for the murder, and in the end, the territorial governor of Hawaii, a white man, commuted Fortescue's sentence to a one-hour confinement. One hour for premeditated murder of a Hawaiian man. Yes, Palakiko and Majors did cause the death of Miss Wilder and was accidental and should have been charged as manslaughter. They had never intended for her to die Yet they were sentenced to death. Double standards? I'll let you decide. On September 13, 1951, the new territorial governor issued a stay of execution, saving the men's lives two minutes before they were to be hanged. New evidence the men were forced into confessions by the police, were brought to light, and three years later, their sentences were commuted, again from death to 90 years in prison. The death penalty in Hawaii was abolished shortly after, and in 1962, the two men's sentences were downgraded to probation. After 14 years in prison, John Palakiko eventually violated his parole a few years later and was sent back to prison, where he died in 1974. Majors successfully completed his parole, moved to Maui, and lived out his life, dying of natural causes in 2009. The significance Therese Wilder's death had on Hawaii is greater than just igniting the stories of Morgan's Corner being haunted. It brought to light the injustices people of color faced in Hawaii on their own land. The case did not completely change the unfair landscape that was the judicial system during this time, but it did spark change and how people of color were prosecuted in Hawaii society. But we cannot and should not forget, in order for this change to happen, an innocent woman lost her life. So as mentioned earlier, the popular urban legend of the dead boyfriend hanging from the tree most likely originated in the Midwest. Parents, afraid of their teens fooling around, 
very possibly started the tale of the hookman, as it's often called, as an anti-pregnancy device. Eventually, these stories made it to Hawaii, and, not surprisingly, is connected to a location used for snuggling. Why do you keep calling it that? Does that mean the tales of Morgan's Corner are fiction? Possibly. What about all the other stories tied to the area? Like the sounds of battle cries and screams often heard through the wind while at the Polly lookout. Or the tales of the woman dressed in white standing on the side of the road who locals say you must stop to offer a ride or risk certain misfortune. Or the people who swear they see the headless ghost of a girl wandering the road at night in search of her head. Lastly, what about the picture? The famous picture taken by Glenn Grant, who I've mentioned numerous times on the podcast. Author and professor Glenn Grant included a chapter in one of his books detailing a night he spent on the old Polly Road. Back when Grant was still a professor at UH Manoa, he took a group of students to Morgan's Corner to check it out. A popular dare is to hug the base of the banyan tree at midnight, then look up to its branches. Supposedly, the person hugging the tree will see the dead boyfriend hanging by his feet, staring directly at them. Legend is, the person will forever be stuck hugging the tree. While the group was standing under the tree, Grant and his students took several photographs aimed up into its branches. When the pictures were developed, all photographs of the tree's canopy were normal until Grant flipped to the seventh frame and was hit with a wave of chicken skin that almost made his knees buckle. The photograph was like the rest, a nighttime shot looking up into the trees. However, unlike the other pictures, a large white object was undeniably visible, suspended by a branch. Grant flipped to the next picture, which is practically identical to the other uneventful photographs. No white object, just the tree's branches captured by the quick flash of the camera. All the photos were taken in quick succession, within seconds, 
and the 10 plus people that were present that night all swore there was nothing visible under the tree. The laboratory who processed the pictures went back and reanalyzed the negatives only to find no processing errors had been made and the image was declared authentic. The picture was printed in one of Grant's books, but I couldn't find a digital version online and unfortunately don't own the specific book it was printed in. But don't worry, Uncle Jared came through and was able to take a screen capture off of one of Grant's old TV specials that was broadcast in the state of Hawaii in the late 90s. I'll post the picture on my Instagram, ghostlore.of.hawaii, along with including the link in the show notes. Take a look. I don't know about you, but to me, it definitely looks like a body hanging from the tree by the ankles. Mahalo very much for tuning in to another episode of Ghost Lore of Hawaii, Paranormal Paradise. Happy Halloween. I hope you were entertained by this classic urban legend and the very real death behind the location. That sounded wrong. This tale is so popular in Hawaii, I'm confident that if you mention Morgan's Corner to any local, they'll all know what you're talking about. As I mentioned in the episode, there's so much more to the Nu'uanupali than just Morgan's Corner. Too many to list for just one episode. So make sure you follow for future stories about the Pali. Thank you again for tuning in to Episode 7, Morgan's Corner. I appreciate everyone who listens, downloads, likes. It all helps. Have a safe Halloween. If you're drinking those green bottles, don't drink and drive. Spark up some paranormal pakalolo. But make sure you don't end up eating all of your kids' candy. <laughs> You're dumb. Have a good one. Shoots later. If you are entertained, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast in front of new listeners. Follow my Instagram at ghostlore.of.hawaii. There's a link in my bio to my merchandise page, and I'll also include it in the show notes. Want to hear a specific topic on the podcast or have a story yourself? You can email me at ghostlore.of.hawaii at gmail.com. Don't be shame. You don't have to be a professional storyteller. Just send me the basics. All episodes were written, voiced, and produced by me, Uncle Jared. Although my goal is to keep historical information discussed in the podcast as accurate as possible, 
I cannot guarantee it will be. Research any topic you may find interesting just to make sure. My apologies if a version of one of my stories differs from one you've heard in the past. In some cases, I may alter the story a bit, but the backbone will remain the same. Some names and places may also be altered for privacy's sake. Dumb.